welcome to the Enhanced Living Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Kruger. I believe that we all have within us the power to be everything that we are meant to be and so much more. This show is a weekly dose of practical and spiritual principles, strategies, tips, and ideas to help you grow into the best version of yourself. Here's to becoming exactly who you were meant to become. I've been called a human Swiss army knife because I'm a TV host, inspirational speaker and coach, live event MC and DJ, certified yoga and Ayurveda teacher, functional fitness enthusiast, author, husband, and dad with a voracious appetite for knowledge. And I'll be sharing real talks with successful people from all walks of life, spiritual teachers and masters and experts in many different fields. I'll also share my own perspective that I've gained from over 20 years of diligent meditation and spiritual work so we can all experience enhanced living. Are you ready to evolve? Let's do this. Welcome to the first episode of Enhanced Living Podcast. I'm so happy that you're here, and honestly, I'm so grateful to be here. This has been something that's been brewing inside me for so very long, and I just wanted to share basically what brought me here. Now, in my belief, I think that every person's life is a series of pivotal moments that lead you to each next phase in your life. So there's a pivotal moment, it brings you to a phase, then you're in that phase and you learn from it and you grow from it, hopefully, at least that's the idea. And then there's another pivotal moment, bam, and you're into the next phase of your life. Well, I wanted to share with you briefly the pivotal moments that kind of led me to this podcast and this specific moment here. So from the time I was eight years old, I kind of had this feeling that I wanted to meet the woman of my dreams, get married, have a family. And I knew that at eight years old. And I remember this distinctly because it's so unusual to know that at eight years old. But that's how I felt. I had my first girlfriend at eight years old. My life has been a series of, I'm a serial monogamist. I've had literally relationship after relationship. My friends growing up, every time I would end up in a relationship with someone, I'd be like, man, I think she's the one. And they used to make fun of me to no end. But it was just this feeling of like, I just knew that I was meant to be in that big, romantic, loving relationship. I'm a hopeless romantic. Well, I shouldn't say hopeless. I'm hopeful now. But growing up, I was always kind of like that hopeless romantic. Now, I guess that would be my first pivotal moment was knowing that one day I was going to be a dad, that I was going to be responsible for another life, that I would be able to shape the opinions of somebody who's growing up and really be able to mold that person into, you know, who they would basically become. And so that meant instantly that I had to hold myself to a higher standard because if I'm going to be helping someone become the best version of who they can be, then doesn't it make sense that I would have to be the best version of who I am? So at eight years old, I knew I wanted to be a dad. I knew I wanted to be a husband. Now, growing up was not an easy thing for me. I had a really, really difficult... Well, let me start with, I had an amazing childhood up to a point, and then everything went horribly, horribly wrong. And so I've experienced every end of the spectrum. Now, apart from the things that happened externally, I never really felt like I fit in. For some reason, I had a lot of trouble. I had friends. It's not like I was an outsider, but I just never felt like I belonged anywhere. So it was always this feeling of, you know, where do I fit? I've been empathic my whole life, and for those of you who don't know what that means, it means that I'm really able to pick up on other people's feelings and emotions. I'm also a human lie detector, so anytime I've been lied to, I've known it. And whether I've chosen to acknowledge it and admit it to both myself and the person who was trying to deceive me or not is a whole other story, but I always knew, whether it was completely in a conscious way or just on a subconscious level, I always know when someone's trying to be deceitful. 
So being in public situations, being able to pick up on subtle energies was always very, very difficult for me. Now, I was always very sensitive. And because I had a weird parental situation growing up, my mom was always there. She was around on the father side of things. There were tons of issues that just, to be perfectly honest, I'm not going to get into details here, but I'm grateful for what I went through because I learned how to be a father and how to be a husband through seeing examples of what not to do. So as a result of that, I was a little bit, I mean, I've always been introverted and I've always been sensitive. And so, I mean, growing up as a kid, I was teased. People teased me for being gay, which I wasn't even. And to be perfectly honest, I never saw anything wrong with that. But I think people just didn't know how to label me. And that's the thing is, as people, we try to label each other because we need to fit into some sort of standard or we try to compartmentalize everything so that we can make sense of the world. And this makes sense. I mean, I don't hold anybody, you know, responsible for that. It's just kind of what people do. So my first pivotal moment, sorry, let me get back to that, is at eight years old, I knew I wanted to grow up, find the woman of my dreams, get married and have a family. At 12 years old, I remember being, um, I grew up Jewish, and I came to the realization that most of organized religion is essentially a sham. Now, before you go, wait, 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 I, I believe in XYZ. No, that's wonderful. I think that every single religion at its base, at its core, is all about love and truth. I just think that or at least what I've come to see, is that most of them have been twisted and turned in an effort to control the masses. Now, when you look at what I learned as a child growing up in a Jewish school, this moment for me stands out, and it has since I was 12, which was we were learning about Yom Kippur, which is the holiest Jewish holiday of the year. It's the Day of Atonement. Now, I remember in class I was sitting there, and our teacher told us that, you know, this is the day where we ask for forgiveness from our fellow man, and then we pray to God to ask for forgiveness from God. Now, this is all fine and wonderful. The part that came afterwards is what really shook my world, which was that if you ask for forgiveness from God, but have not asked for forgiveness from your fellow man, God does not forgive you. So to me, that means that the most important thing as a Jew, or at least at that point, was to be a good person. Being a good person means being a good Jew. Now, you can extrapolate that to every other religion. It just means love each other. I mean, if you go back to the teachings of Jesus, love your neighbor as thyself, every single religion will tell you that loving your neighbor and being a good human being and being a good person to other people is paramount. So that kind of became my guiding star, my guiding light. That's what kind of drove me. Now, as I grew, the home life situation got kind of really messy and I was diagnosed with an autoimmune situation that was exacerbated and brought on by stress. It started with symptoms at 14, and then at, at 17, I was finally diagnosed. And it was really, really, really bad. But the bright side of it is, is that it led me to meditation. I started meditating at the age of 18 years old. And I remember... Because of my condition, I couldn't eat vegetables, I couldn't digest them or consume them, because every time I tried, I would end up in the hospital, which was really, really rough. And it led me to reading a book called The Celestine Prophecy. And if you haven't read it yet, it's a really wonderful introduction to the concept. And it's not really a concept because it's been proven by science at this point, but that everything is energy, okay? And so reading that book actually brought me back to eating salads and vegetables because it shifted my mindset. And combined with meditation, it allowed me to realize that I was actually consuming energy that was good for my body. Now, meditating at 18 years old 
was something that brought peace to me and it helped me kind of get all of my symptoms under control. So I was able to, you know, mitigate those and, and actually get off of medication, which I haven't taken since. And it's been 22 years since then. And I've been pretty good ever since then. So meditation has always been a huge part of my life. And at each stage and at each pivotal moment, of course, being diagnosed with Crohn's at 17, that was a huge pivotal moment. Uh, 12 years old, realizing that organized religion is really just a way to control people. And then the best thing we can do, listen, if you believe in a specific deity or a specific version of what God is, I think that's wonderful, as long as it's not causing you to separate yourself and make other people wrong and make yourself right. Because the fact of the matter is, is that every religion will tell you that we're all God's children, right? And so we all have to love each other. We all have to, we don't have to like each other. We just have to respect each other and we have to be kind to each other. That's the most important thing. So that pivotal moment at 17, getting that diagnosis and then having the experiences that I had through meditation were super pivotal, no, pivotal (laughs) in driving me forward to the next stage. Now, I always felt like there was something that I was meant to be doing. There was something that I'm supposed to do. It's something that's been with me forever. I've always had this feeling of like, there's something I'm supposed to be doing. I'm meant to do something. And I couldn't quite put my finger on what it was. There were points where I thought maybe business was the idea. And I, and I went to university. I, I studied at the John Molson School of Business at Concordia University in Montreal, graduated a Bachelor of Commerce degree with a major in marketing. And I finished school and I was looking at my life. This was another pivotal moment for me because I had a serious girlfriend at the time. We had been together for quite a while. Again, another person that I thought was the one who wasn't. And I was just like, there's just no future for me here. For some reason, every time I tried to think about what my life looked like in Montreal, I just didn't see any future. So instead of sticking around, I actually got like this quick little job right after I finished my degree. And that earned me quite a bit of money. And it gave me the ability to, I just decided I'm I'm moving and I moved to Los Angeles. And I had no idea what I was going to do. I just knew that I had this feeling that the universe was looking out for me and that things were going to happen and it it was just going to be okay. And sure enough, each moment led to the next. I didn't see the full journey. I didn't see the full road. I just knew that if I took the next step, I would get to where I needed to go. Now, before I left, I went to this amazing meditation circle where I I went through this guided meditation with this clairvoyant woman who was really amazing. And the things that basically came up were really fascinating for me because I was told that I was going to be really good in business, but I felt like I was meant to perform to some capacity. I just wasn't sure what that was. So anyway, I moved out to Los Angeles and this was an interesting thing for me because remember at this point I was newly single again and I was single for a while and being the hopeless romantic and looking for that, the one always, of course I met someone and we got married within, I believe it was like four months, four months and we got married. And you know, <laughs> when you do stuff like that, it, it sometimes works out and it sometimes doesn't. It turns out that this was the wrong person for me. We were married for four years and it it didn't really go great. Now, I would never say that it was because of her or because of me. It was because of both of us. We were not meant to be together. But the relationship itself taught me so much because when you're in the relationship or in, in any relationship, it's a mirror for you. You get to see what you're supposed to be doing and what you're not supposed to be doing. You're held accountable to someone else. As a single person, 
you can do anything you want. I mean, within limits, of course, as long as you're not breaking laws. But if you're home alone and you decide that you want to, you know, drink a bottle of scotch or whatever, I mean, that's not advisable. But I'm just saying if you wanted to, you could. And no one's going to say anything because there's nobody there. But if you live with somebody, you're you're accountable to them. And rightfully so, because when you're in a relationship, there is an agreement to be accountable to each other. Now, to me personally, what I've learned is that the best relationships are founded on a mutual understanding of evolving together, of evolution. If you tell each other or if you decide together that you're in this because you're going to help each other become the best versions of yourself, those are the relationships where you're going to see the most growth. Those are the relationships where you're going to grow together and they're the most rewarding, which is exactly what I'm at in the relationship that I finally found the person that I was looking for when I was eight years old. And I'm going to get to that in just a second. So basically, after the divorce, which was monumentally difficult, and it put me into this really crazy place, I was searching. And I, again, found this clairvoyant. Um, This was during the time where I was doing stand-up comedy. And I know that if you don't know me personally at this point, I just said something, you're like, wait, wait, stand-up comedy? Wait, hold on, what? So let me back up for half a second. When I moved to LA, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I had been emceeing and DJing live events since I was 17 years old. I worked for a company in Montreal. When I moved to LA, I didn't know what I was going to do to make money. And my sister, who already lived here, was like, well, you should go work at a DJ company and make money on weekends doing that while you figure out what you're trying to do. And so I was like, that's a great idea. Now, with that company that I started working for, I was working in the office as well doing sales because I had a degree in in marketing, and it just seemed like the right move to make. So I was DJing events on weekends, and I was working in the office during the week, and it was great, but... What happened about three months into that was I realized that performing was what I wanted to do. And I loved the DJing aspect and the emceeing part where I would, I was working weddings and bar and bat mitzvahs and corporate events and having an amazing, amazing time with people. Now, I mean, at this point, I've done, I don't even know, like over 2,000 events, 2,500 events in my life. I've entertained thousands and thousands of people and had so much fun doing it. And I realized at that point that performing was what I was meant to do. Now, I dabbled in acting because, of course, you're in L.A. That's kind of what you're going to do. But ultimately realized it wasn't what I wanted to do. And I realized I wanted to host. I was obsessed with Ryan Seacrest in the sense that, like, I just loved what he was doing. And I was like, that's what I want to do. But I want to do it funny. Like, I want to be I want to entertain people. I want to make them laugh. But I want to host a show. And so I didn't really know how to get started in it, and I found a couple of classes and a couple of, you know, workshops that I took, and one of the things that dawned on me was, well, if you're going to be a host, you need to have good improv skills, and so I found this improv and stand-up comedy class, and it's so funny because I wasn't thinking stand-up comedy in any capacity whatsoever, but it was just one of those things where it was like, oh, well, I guess I'll just do that because I want the improv. Now, I fell in love with stand-up comedy. I performed the first time, and that was it. I was hooked. So we're going back to, I want to say, 2005. I spent every single day. This was, of course, coinciding with my first marriage. I spent every single day on stage. I was on stage between 7 and 11 times every single week because there were some nights where I would do multiple times because we would go from one open mic to the next, and then I'd have a show. And so I was performing consistently and stand up became my thing. And I thought, wow, this is what I'm going to do. 
And when the divorce hit, I had been still performing stand-up, but I hit this kind of depression because I was sort of lost. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And this is when I met that clairvoyant woman who, again, told me that I was meant to do, you know, something big and something, you know, that would help people. And I was like, well, that's amazing, but that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm making people laugh. And, and so for a while, we would hang out and we were she did like treatments with me with different crystals. And, and I know that for some people who aren't into the esoteric thing, the esoteric thing, I mean, look, it's all energy. Everything is energy. So it's either you, you tune into it and you tap into it or you don't. But basically while I was doing these crystal alignments, I had these amazing experiences and it coincided with, I booked a show that was again in the paranormal sphere. And when I say show, it was a pilot, which never ended up going, but that's a whole other story. And so I had these amazing experiences where I elevated my consciousness to a point where at the time I was a smoker and I remember I went to go light up like I would normally do. And all of a sudden I just, I couldn't do it anymore. Like it just, my body wouldn't take it. And I was like, wow, that's, that's so weird. And I tried again and it just didn't, it's like my body wouldn't let me do it anymore. So I, I stopped and I hit this place of like, I was feeling constant bliss and just, I was in this amazing sphere where I, I felt like I could just, like everything was okay. There was nothing that wasn't okay. Now, some people might say looking from the outside in, like, wow, you just hit rock bottom. You were in a depression. And so you kind of were deluding yourself to feeling a certain way. But that's not what it was. I really did elevate my consciousness to a level where I understood things from on an inherent level where it just everything just sort of made sense. Now, of course, that didn't last. And I came crashing back down. And I had just come to the point where I decided I was like, you know what, I'm whole as a person, I don't need to be married anymore. This was again, after the divorce. I'm just going to live my life doing stand-up comedy. I'm going to go on the road. I'm going to make my money. I'll come back to LA. I'll pay my bills. And then I'm, I'm just going to go out on the road again. And as soon as I made that decision, I got requested to do an event. And I, of course, accepted. It was a paid event here in LA. And for some reason, I had this feeling, again, that I was going to be meeting somebody. And that was weird because work events were work events and social events were social events. I'd never had really any like met anyone on a job before. And this is where I met my wife. This is where I met the love of my life. This is where I met the person that I had been searching for since I was eight years old. I remember we, we actually have footage from the night that we met because it's footage of me introducing her on stage because she was performing in this show that I was hired to uh, MC and do comedy for. And as soon as I had made the decision that, you know what, I don't need anybody and it's okay if I never have kids because obviously the first marriage didn't work out. We didn't have kids. So it was basically just a really glorified relationship, essentially. And I shouldn't say glorified because it was a true relationship and it taught me so, so much. But it was, you know, I mean, if you're married without kids, a divorce is basically just a breakup, essentially, especially if you haven't really mingled your finances. And so, but anyways, I'm, I'm getting into the minutiae here. I digress. Let's get back on track. So I finally met that person that I was truly meant to be with. And we got engaged two and a half months after we met. We waited a year and, became, and got married. We recently just celebrated 10 years of marriage. The success of our marriage is based, I want to say, wholly in part to our mutual desire to evolve together. Now, before I go any further, I, I want to talk about how before we met, I had been searching for a good yoga class because I felt like I was in need of yoga. It was just something that it's so funny because I had never really had any experience with it before, but I just had this draw towards yoga. And when we met, when I met Sharice, my wife, 
she was in the middle of her teacher training program to become a yoga and Ayurveda teacher. And she's like, you should come to my class. And so I was like, amazing. And I did. And I fell in love with it. Of course, I fell in love with her too. But I also fell in love with the yoga class. And within, I want to say like two weeks, I was signed up to do my own teacher training to become a yoga and Ayurveda teacher as well. And this coincided with going vegetarian, which was a whole other thing. And and I'm going to talk about that in a different episode because I I don't want to get too off track here. But basically, that's what led me to my yoga and Ayurveda teacher training, which changed my life in immeasurable ways. And so I've now just discussed a few pivotal moments, which was, you know, A, meeting my first wife, B, you know, getting the job working as an MC DJ here in, in LA. From there, you know, falling into stand-up comedy, which wasn't even the intention at that point. And I did comedy for about 10 years. I still write, but I haven't performed on stage in a stand-up capacity in, in quite a while. I've hosted thousands of events, but as far as performing comedy, it's been a while. But so the next pivotal moment was then taking this yoga class and taking this yoga teacher training, which really, really changed my life because it brought balance. Yoga is the true root of yoga is union. And actually, in in the next episode, I will be interviewing my yoga teacher, Mas Vidal. He is one of the most amazing human beings that I've had the pleasure of meeting. And you will get to meet him too in the next episode. So I'm really excited for that. But anyhow, so I, I did my yoga training and I literally dove headfirst into it, which as a side note, that's something that I do when I find a modality or some kind of technique, meditation, something to ameliorate my life. I dive headfirst into it and I'm all about it. And then I swim around in, in the sea of whatever it is for a while and I look around and I go, oh, cool, this resonates, that resonates, this is amazing, I'm going to incorporate this, and I'm going to let go of everything else that doesn't. So I taught yoga for quite a while and realized very quickly that as a married man with a child on the way, because Sharice was pregnant pretty quickly after we got married... We intended it. We wanted to have kids. We knew that we wanted to have kids. And so we we intentionally did that as quickly as possible. Knowing that I had a child on the way, knowing that I was married, knowing that we, you know, had goals and dreams beyond just evolving, which is so funny because evolution is the most important thing, but that's a whole other story. I knew that I wasn't going to be able to sustain my life necessarily through just yoga. So I had to expand things. And it was there that I started to focus on my hosting career. Now, I've seen some amazing successes doing that. And at the same time, I started my own company. I branched out on my own to do live events as both an MC and host and also DJing events. And that's been absolutely wonderful for me. And I, I, I really enjoy bringing joy to people's lives through that. But the next pivotal moment, of course, was when my son was born. Now, becoming a parent is something that... People can tell you about and they can say, hey, you know, this is what's going to be and this is how you're going to feel. But you never really know until you're in that moment. I remember the moment I held my son, my entire life changed. I looked at him and in that moment, I knew that I would do anything in my power to make sure that A, he was happy, healthy and safe. But B, that I knew I had to be the best version of myself because kids do what we do. They don't do what we tell them to do. So that pivotal moment brought me to the realization that I had to continue to evolve and break patterns because whether we know it or not, in our families, we have patterns, right? Patterns of behavior. So for example, because of the, I'm going to use a personal example right now, because of the trauma that happened as a result of the person and the way, the person that my father was and the way he treated us, 
my sister and my mom and I became like this tripod unit of survival, right? So we kept each other in check. We made sure that we were always there for each other. And we were just this like little group of three that we didn't really let anybody else in. And that became problematic to a lot of my different relationships. Now, this wasn't a bad thing. This was something that we used to survive. And to this day, they're two of the most important people in my life. But what I realized was to move on, to truly move on, you have to kind of break the cycle. You have to realize that you have to do things that maybe your family members may not approve of or they may not understand. But at the end of the day, your life is your life and you have to live it for you because no one else is going to live it for you. So breaking certain patterns that were in place was a very difficult thing for me. But in the end, it turned out to be a really wonderful thing. I feel just as close to my mom and my sister today as I did, you know, all those years ago, if not closer, because I feel like we can have honest conversations with each other. And I think that that's a wonderful thing. Now, the fact of the matter is, is that you always have to be accountable to you because you're the final say on where your life goes, right? So now I look at all the pivotal moments that continued to bring me to this point. And not long after my son was born, I came to a place where I read a book called uh, Journey of Souls by uh, Dr. Michael Newton. And this book, to talk about it briefly, by the way, for anyone who's interested in past lives or, you know, interested in reincarnation, it's a really wonderful book. And it's it's pretty uncanny because a little bit about Dr. Newton, he was a uh, I want to say psychologist, psychiatrist, I can't remember exactly now because it's a while since I've read the book, but essentially he was someone who did not really believe in past lives, he didn't believe in anything really spiritual, but he did believe in, you know, hypnotic regression to help people deal with stuff from their childhood. And so while doing hypnosis on one of his patients, he accidentally regressed them into a past life. And he was hearing all these details about this person's past life, and he just kind of listened. And, you know, the person came out of hypnosis, and they were both kind of like sitting there going, whoa, what just happened? And they actually were able to check details of what this patient talked about, and they were able to verify this account. And it wasn't some famous figure. It was just some obscure, random person that they were able to find documentation on. And so he had no reason not to believe. And so after using these regression therapies on other people, he started to be able to regress people into past lives, and it helped them clear issues that they were dealing with in their current lives. Now, yoga talks about this as karma, right? So when something happens in a current life, and you create karma by either a desire or an unsatisfied want or need, or you you do something that's bad that hasn't been dealt with, and I don't like using the word bad, but you do something that has negative consequences that you don't deal with, you're going to end up dealing with those consequences at some point, right? So yoga talks about karma, past life regression, it's the same sort of thing. Anyhow, in this book, he accidentally regressed someone to the point in between their lives. And it's a whole account of what happens to us in between our lives. Now, this book fascinated me to no end. And I had ideas of what goes on in between lives and and why we have deja vu, which I've been experiencing for, like, since I can remember, I have a dream, and then two weeks later, I see something, and it's like, oh, wow, yeah, I, I dreamt about this, like, a week ago, and I know it's from a dream, and I can actually literally say the words coming out of the person's mouth if I could do it fast enough, but I'm, I'm never able to, and nothing ever really comes of it, and so I had this idea of what that was, and when I read about it in, in this book, it absolutely floored me, and so this led me to want to go and do a past life regression of my own. And I did, and I was able to see five of my past lives. Now, 
The cool part about it is I have no way of knowing whether any of it is true, uh, what I saw, although the details that I saw were really, really vivid and they were not of anything that I had ever read about or seen in a movie or anything like that before. So where they came from, I can only just trust my intuition and my gut knowing that these are things that I actually saw and that I actually lived. But what was really cool about it was the lessons that I learned from each life that are applicable to this life. Now, that led me to write my first book because it was so monumental that I was just like, I need to put this all down on paper, or so to speak, because I was obviously typing in a Word document. But I did. I wrote a book and I self-published one copy (laughs) and then pulled it off of Amazon because I just didn't feel like it was ready. And that brought me to a place where I had a dream. Let me back up. I was in a place where I was like, okay, I think I need to stop the hosting thing. I need to figure out something and just get into a place where I'm not auditioning and it's just stable. And I was like, please, please just give me like God, universe, whatever, just give me a sign. Should I go in this direction or should I not? And then that night I went to bed and the last dream I had before I woke up, it was like someone was yelling at me, like, don't give up on your hosting career. And so I was like, okay, I heard you loud and clear. And I I submitted for something the very next day, booked it. And then I went on this roller coaster of, I was working really well. I was hosting three separate after shows for the same company and it was really wonderful. And I I kept building on that, but then all of a sudden everything dropped off. And again, the whole time that I was going through my career, I still felt like, okay, this is amazing. This is so much fun, but there's more, there's something more that I'm supposed to be doing. And I couldn't figure out what exactly it was. And then I went through this period where everything just disappeared. I had no hosting work. All my events were just, they were just dry. Like there was just nothing. And I had to figure out what to do. And so I started working for a friend of ours. They had a summer camp, a surf camp down in Malibu. I started, I worked as a surf and a counselor basically, and that wasn't enough. So I, I ended up getting a job at this telemarketing place. It was legitimate. It was, you know, helping people set up their cable and stuff like that. And I started doing that and I I remember being miserable and I I was just so unhappy because I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. And I called Sharice and I was like, babe, like, what do I do? This is not where I'm supposed to be. And she's like, look, cut the pity party. Okay. You are exactly where you're supposed to be and you're doing exactly what you need to be doing. And all you have to do is change your attitude. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. I will. And so I shifted my attitude. I decided to be just grateful for everything and every moment And before I knew it, I literally, within two weeks, I ended up booking a different show called This Is SF. It shot up in San Francisco and aired on CBS up there. I did about a week's worth of episodes up there and then came back down and then worked on This Is LA for two seasons. And that was amazing. And all these things shifted. I decided I wanted to speak in public and I, I had booked a bunch of hosting events all across the country. And I was at one of them and I watched this amazing speaker, Kate Adams. She did this awesome TED talk and I was watching her on stage at this event. And I was like, you know what? That's what I want to do. I want to, I want to inspire people. I want to help people realize, you know, just the things that I've realized. Right. And of course there was the self doubt. Like, who am I to tell people? what to do or who am I to give advice because what have I done in my life really? And so there was always that little doubt, that little shred of doubt that was kind of in the background. Now, of course, at the same time, I knew that I could manifest things because I had just done it by booking this TV show and working all these episodes and booking, of course, all the live events that I was doing. And so I decided I'm going to do a TEDx talk. I'm going to book one. 
And so I submitted and of course I booked it. Now it never ended up materializing, which is the funny thing because I booked it, they had made the announcement and then the conference fell through and it never got rescheduled. And so it never actually happened, but I did manifest it. I booked it and that was really, really cool. Now with that, I never lost the feeling of there's something else that I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be helping people in some capacity. And that was kind of counterbalanced with this doubt of like, well, who are you to help people? What can you offer? And then the pandemic hit. And here we are in the middle of this crazy global pandemic and all of my events disappeared. And I was sitting there going, okay, well, I know it's going to come back. It's not a big deal. And all of a sudden I manifested this creation of this podcast and here I am doing this. And just before I took the leap and said, yes, I'm going to do this. I again asked myself, who are you to dispense information or to, you know, to give advice? And the little answer that came back to me was not, oh, you're not good enough. It was, who are you? Well, you're a guy who's gone through divorce as a childhood, divorce as a grown up. You've You've gone through a yoga teacher training. You've been meditating consistently for 22 years. You've built a perfect, and when I say perfect, it's almost as perfect as it possibly can be, marriage built through trust and evolution. So you know how to balance your life. You're a dedicated father and husband. You've done so many different things to increase your own life and to do good for yourself. You already give advice to people. They come to you. For some reason, my whole life, I'll meet someone and within minutes of meeting them, they're telling me their whole life story. And we end the conversation. They're like, wow, thanks for that, man. I feel so much better. And then they walk away. So you've already been doing this. Why shouldn't you do it? Why not you? And so I finally came into my own place where I realized that, yes, I don't know everything, not by a long shot, but I do know a lot of things. And I have experienced so much that I know that that information is valuable to people who've A, gone through the same things or maybe haven't or are about to. And on top of that, I'm excited to interview people who know far more than I do, because believe me, I feel like I know nothing compared to what there is to actually know. So that's what this podcast is all about. I really want to continue my own evolution and I want to help others continue theirs because I truly believe, and this is a quote from Arrowhead Water, <laughs> but uh, I read this once and I was like, wow, that's brilliant. Whether it applies to water or not is a whole other story, but the quote was, better has no finish line. And that is the truth. You can always be better at anything that you're doing. So I'm grateful for you for being here. I am dedicating myself to becoming better as we go through each week. But let's go on this journey together. Let's get better. Let's live enhanced. Meditation is a huge part of what I do. Breathwork is a huge part of what I do. But most importantly, awareness of who you are and knowing when you're right and knowing when you're wrong and knowing that none of it makes any difference as long as you're evolving and becoming the best version of yourself. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Enhanced Living Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, feel free to reach me directly at enhancedliving.net. Thanks for listening.